There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And today we are finally post Buffy and Angel and moving on to the new canon outside of the shows. It's way better. You know, the interesting stuff. Yeah. It only took eight episodes. Whatever, we're here. So to start, let's remind the audience where we were when we left off previously on Angel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, Make my own fun. So previously on Angel, um, the world fell apart, basically. Wolfram and Hart decided to, I don't even know what. Implode a little bit. Implode, yeah, everything just fell apart. Angel survived. He's in an alleyway with him. Spike's alive. He's doing okay. Gun is bleeding out fast. Illyria's there and she wants to do more violence. And Wesley was dead. So he was. Poor Wes Wesley. is gone. Lauren is pieced out. Lauren, our green lounge singing demon, has left after killing a man. Yeah. Lindsay. Will never come up again and is the hero of everything. Lindsay is? Lindsay is absolutely the hero of everything. Well, good for Lindsay. He got Wolfram and Hart the amulet that Spike used in the battle against the first. They definitely would have lost without it. True. Yeah, good point. L- Lindsay is the hero of everything and yeah. doesn't get the credit for literally saving everything. That's a really good point. Yeah, you're right. Well, good for you, Lindsay. Lindsay's also dead as a door now. <laughs> you got shot a couple of times. So far, he hasn't come back. By a very green demon. The show ends. Our four surviving characters. Well, that's not true. Connor also ran away. Angel told him to go home. Yeah. So we have Angel and Spike. And he surprisingly listened. Yeah. Angel and Spike, two vampires with souls, alive and well, gun a human bleeding out, and an ancient demon god, Illyria, ready to throw down. Against thousands upon thousands of demons, plus a dragon. And this is how the show should have ended. It should always end with them going out, like the characters who are never going to stop fighting no matter what. It ended on a cliffhanger, but it's kind of exactly how it should have. And... We are able to pick up from that cliffhanger, so that's always a positive. So what happened after the show ended, the idea originally was there were going to be a couple of TV movies, if memory serves. I think there were going to be four TV movies that were going to come out. There was going to be like a Spike one. really? Spike, Like the Gilmore Girls thing? Yes, but pre-Gilmore Girls, yeah. They weren't seasons, they were characters. I think it was like Spike, Faith, Illyria, and another one. I don't remember now. Fun facts. And some of those story elements, once it kind of looked like those weren't going to happen, ended up um, being told by the cast, which ended up being translated into this book that I won't ruin up front. The other plan was that there was going to be a Giles spinoff show called Ripper. That never happened. That would have been charming. I would have watched that. Didn't happen. So then what happened instead is Joss, when it kept Buffy going in comic book form, IDW, who owned the Angel books, decided to match pace. Their original ones didn't really work out that well, and then they got Joss to come over and work on a canonical follow-up to Angel Season 5, scrapping the majority of the stuff they had already put out. And that leaves us with Angel After the Fall. So this is, at least initially, I think more co-written, but co-written by Joss Whedon and Brian Lynch, the guy who did the two previous Spike books we talked about, with art by Franco Uru. I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know how else you could pronounce it. Anyway, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, (laughs) keeping this is... The best the comics have been. This run on Angel going to be the best stuff we talk about. Nothing has been able to touch it so far with quality. Right. 
So the story opens up. Angel is fighting demons in an alleyway to save a girl because, of course, that's what he does. And unlike the show, what we have here is an inner monologue where he's kind of talking about how he took a stand and how his life, a life made of nothing but bad decisions, taking a stand was the worst thing he did. Right, because it, we find out that it plunged the whole city of Los Angeles into a hell dimension. Not good. L.A. is now L.A. Boo! <laughs> so Angel's fighting along. Some demons are about to overpower him. And as was mentioned, there was a dragon at the final battle. And it turns out the dragon is now his friend. Which is really charming. Uh, I guess the original plan for the dragon is Brian Lynch wanted to pick up this comic like immediately when the show ended and have Spike jump forward and just kill the dragon before Angel could because he said he wanted to. But Joss is like, no, they need to be besties. That's really sweet. I like that he's best friends with the dragon. And the dragon's carrying a car that the dragon drops, and... Straight from the Wolfram and Hart parking lot. Yep, and we find out that the girl has some other human friends with her. Angel sends them all to Santa Monica, because that's obviously the safe haven of the world. Of a hell-bound Los Angeles. Yeah, so they hotwire the car and go to Santa Monica, and they're not really sure what they're going to find there. What makes the narrative here different from anything else we've ever seen is in the history of both shows, this is the first time the characters have more information than the viewer does. True. I never thought about it that way. But we also have the advantage of inner monologue because all we ever really got with Angel was borrowed brow, except for that one episode where he had inner monologue, but we're not dealing with that. Right. And he rides off on his dragon where we see a two-page spread of Los Angeles that is covered in demons and the ground has like giant mouths coming out of it. There are tentacles everywhere. Things are on fire. The sun and the moon are out simultaneously. It's kind of like Tatooine. It doesn't look very fun. Except for riding a dragon, which looks like a lot of fun. We, like, never really deal with the fact that somehow all of a sudden it's okay for vampires to be out with the sun because the moon is there, too. We we mention it. Hell dimension. Okay. Alrighty. We'll go with that. We get some exposition in here. and What happened is once Los Angeles went to hell. Literally. Demons that are referred to as lords divided up Los Angeles and kind of covered their own little districts of it, like, you know, Santa Monica, Silver Lake. Yeah, they just basically took over the neighborhoods. And they were like, this one's mine, that one's yours. And I am a lord of... Wherever. Yeah. Downtown LA, whatever. So Angel goes back to Wolfram and Hart where he's being held up and he's immediately attacked by a demon. The lord of downtown LA. Because Angel has... His name is Berg. Burge. Burge? I'm gonna go with Burge. Burge. Because Angel has killed too many of his demons. And so he's saying, I'm gonna kill some of her humans now. Because we find out very quickly that Angel is not allowed to be touched. That's part of the part of the rules is that they can't touch Angel. Or rather they can't kill Angel. I guess they can touch him. Then we flip the page and we get the best reveal. We get Wes. But it's not just Wes, it's dorky Wes. Yeah, Wesley is back, but not from the dead. No, no, he's a ghost, but he's a dorky ghost. Well, it's not a ghost. They keep calling him ghost. <sighs> what would you like to call him? Under contract. Phantom? Incorporeal? <laughs> So we established this much earlier in Angel that if you're a Wolfram and Hart employee and you die, that's not the end of your contract. And when Wesley was stabbed, he was still technically a Wolfram and Hart employee, so they kept him under contract. So they brought him back like they brought back Lila, basically. In Holland Manors. But they don't really like Wesley. So as an extra little bit of torture for keeping him around, putting him in hell, they also made him look the way he used to look. Instead of like crazy drunken rugged alcoholic he's back to nerd in a bad suit with dapper. glasses he looks dapper he looks bad 
He looks like a dork. So Wesley negotiates with, we're going to call him Burge? Burge. We'll call him Burge. I like Burge. It's so bad trying to do demon names when we're not hearing someone else say them. It won't I know. be. It won't be the first, or I guess it is the first. It won't be the last time it comes up. But he has a son with him as well, and the son's like, "I want to wear angel skin." Yeah. But he's told he can't, so he gets angry and he attacks Wesley, and that's when we find that Wesley is incorporeal and can't actually affect the world around him. Right. He can just talk to everybody. So Wes says that Angel has to stay in the Wolfram and Hart building that night, and he can't go to go on patrol, so that will be kind of their arrangement to make up for Angel killing all of these demons. And Angel sticks to that. Mm-hmm. So Burge and his son leave. They note that there's a really nice desk that they want in Angel's office. So It's very sturdy. It is sturdy and metal. Angel asked Wes where he was. He's like, I was out. What were you doing? He's like, I was on patrol. It's like, I see, like, see the dragons with you. He's like, so did you save some people? Like, of course I saved some people. Like, did you send them where you always send them? Like, yeah, I did. And Real summarized conversation. We find out that where he always sends them is Santa Monica, which doesn't look any better than anything else in the world right now. No, I mean, as far as they know, like, they're in Los Angeles and they can't get out. They never really explained the borders, but basically they're stuck in L.A. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty wide borders of L.A. Like, we're calling Santa Monica part of it. So they come to this place and they open the door and all of a sudden there's all these people there as well, like humans. Sorry, we're back to the humans. Did we talk about that? What about them? That we're, that we're talking about the humans that Angel sent away in the car? Sure, we're talking about them now. Okay. So they go to this old hotel and we find out that they are... But not the hotel. Not the hotel, but it is a hotel. Uh, and we find out that there's just a, a whole... A gaggle. Yes, group gaggle of humans who are here, or mostly humans. And they freak out. They're about to run away, but they get surrounded by electricity from Gwen. Oh, Gwen. We haven't seen Gwen in forever. No, it's nice to see her again. She hasn't changed her outfit at all. No, because why would you? And then... Because she has a look. And then we find out that there's a werewolf lady. Nina. Hi, Nina. And Do not remember Nina? I remember Nina. Because you told me that, that Oz was supposed to come back to help Nina. Yeah, that was the original plan for season six. Is Seth Green was going to come back and help Nina deal with her werewolfism, but that never happened. No. So anyway, Nina's here dealing with her werewolfness all by herself. And because there's a full moon out and the sun at the same time, she's kind of in between. She's just human freaking and wolf. out, basically. Sometimes her hair will change color. Because why not? Coloring error. Okay, well, that works too. No good reason, only a bad one. But there's someone else there as well, someone who's leading this whole, what are we going to call them? the grossest hair. Focusing on the weird part. I'm not. Let's call them, I don't know, a collection. But the person with the amazing hair that Angel has been sending all of these humans to is none other than Connor. It just looks so gross. It looks like greasy and it goes down to his shoulders and it's just not good. His hair did get a little bit longer. It's really not good. Okay, so full disclosure, I am not Connor's biggest fan. I don't like him at all. Okay, full stop. I like Connor. I always have. I have not ever liked I also liked understand why people dislike Connor. I actively dislike him. So. But I like where his story ended, where he was, you know, a little more complete and not as broken. If anybody else out there has watched Gilmore Girls, Connor felt like April. Not in a good way. There is no good way. They're both terrible. So... Connor just introduces himself and said, this is my family. Yep, basically. But Angel's also been avoiding Connor. He's been really sending him, you know, people on the down low in the parlance of the youth. So far, we've had two dramatic reveals in here. We've already had Wesley and Connor in just the first issue. 
Yeah, but we're also going to stop. We're not going to get everyone in issue one, which I also like. I like that we the, story, it out. the story doesn't try and overstuff itself. No. No, no. But I do like that they use the dramatic reveal for pretty much everybody. Oh, there's like, always a dramatic reveal. Everyone. Getting everyone back. This has been years since the show ended. These are beloved characters that no one's seen in forever. If you're going to bring them back, bring them back dramatically. And they do. Um, and here's the first kind of odd thing that we see is that Wes is trying to heal Angel. We cut back to Angel, and Wes is trying to heal him. Because he got beat up by Burge's son. Right. And and that's just odd because as a vampire, he's never needed healing before. Nope. We'll come back to that. But then we cut over to one of my all-time favorite characters who we previously mentioned, Beta George. Oh, Beta. Oh, yeah. Beta George is canon. He's back, and he's our buddy. And he's with a lord whose name is... I don't know. Ker. K-R apostrophe P-H. Ker. Yeah. Blue guy with a glowing heart. We'll call him that. Blue guy. I'm going to call him Ker. Okay. You can call him that. But, He's the Lord of Westwood. I'm going to call him the Lord of Westwood. There you go. Um, But he has kidnapped Beta George and he has a whole, his own gaggle of humans and demons. And he's taken over a football stadium. Most of the humans are scantily clad women. And men. He, he set up a gladiatorial combat type situation, and he's using Beta George to make them fight. And he has the glowing heart inside of him is an ancient artifact that amplifies power, so he uses it to kick up George's power to make these warriors fight. And most of them are like, I was a security guard. Yeah, they're like, I didn't actually want to fight. Like, And Beta George is like, I don't want to make you fight either. So a fight is happening, and then some individuals from off screen show up and are you ready for another dramatic reveal dun 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 because we turn a page and we get gun we do get gun who has this odd scratch beneath his right eye now just as a heads up and gun is attacking demons as usual Kerp. kills the dude but gun grabs the glowing heart yeah gun isn't with anyone else right now he's off by himself he has a well he's with a couple people but we don't know any of them but they're not yeah. our people yeah, he has a whole different group going on. He has Team Gun. And in like this hyper-violent way, he goes up to Kerp and punches him through the chest and rips this artifact out that was like right by his heart. Yeah, he's kind of like a skeleton with this blue blob around his skeleton with the glowing heart in the middle. We'll call it Jello. It's like blue Jello surrounding a skeleton. Yes, and so he goes through the blue Jello and breaks up the skeleton and grabs the glowing heart. It rips it out of his chest. Yeah, it's not great. And he's very happy about himself. He's like, you're all free, but hey, scantily clad women, if you want to come with me, things can get downright erotic. Gross. Which is a weird thing for Gun to say. Very... Not Gunnish. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut back to Wes and we cut back to Angel. Angel is watching... Burge's son kill a bunch of humans right underneath the Wolfram and Hart building just as... Which rec- seems dumb on yeah. the part of Burge's son. Yeah, as this whole like retribution thing. He's like, watch me kill these people. So Angel kicks a very fine metal desk out the window. Yes, the one that they like. He gave it to them. And then he also throws a stake out the window. Yeah, Bur- uh, Burge's son freaks out. He's like, my father told you you couldn't leave. So Angel throws a stake gets him through the eye and he's dead and angel, and angel has... has not left the building just so we're clear no, technically he's still there and angel has killed the son of a lord not good not good at all and basically for him it goes so inner monologue goes well can't take that back good 
It all begins with a stake in the eye. Of course, that might be exactly what Wolfram and Hart wants. That's fine. Let them think they're in charge. Wolfram and Hart has taken everything I had, everyone I cared about, everything I was. But that's how I'm going to win. They think they've changed me. And the issue ends, but not without one more reveal. Right, because while that last little bit of inner monologue has been going on, we see the distinctive red sweatshirt of Gunn, and we cut to his face, and it's all vamped out, and he has killed all of those girls. Now, funny bit of history for this here. We're reading this out of the graphic novel, which is a really great hardcover. IDW always did a really good job of putting out quality hardcovers for the series. But when the issue first came out, Gunn and Team Gun were all wearing very similar clothes to one another. It was all very similar hue. So when I first read this book and this happened, I was just like, oh, there's a vampire at the end of it. And I closed it, and that was it. I was like, okay, cool. That was, that was a fun little issue. And then I read it a second time. I'm like, oh, that's Gun. Yeah, because it's all kind of bathed in this odd greenish light. And so it's it makes it hard to distinguish who characters are. So what ended up happening is this issue got reprinted, and I think they called it a director's cut issue. It was like this big deluxe one. And then in the graphic novel, Gun's sweatshirt was recolored, so he actually stood out from everyone else, because apparently I was not the only person who had that same problem. Yeah. So issue one ends. Good chunk of the team are back, but no one's right where they were. Right. And especially, everybody has changed, especially Gun. Well, and Wesley, what with the whole being dead thing. Yeah, I guess. So we open up with issue two, and Angel decides that he needs to go see Connor because he's killed the son of a lord, and if anyone's going to die next, it's going to be Angel's son. Right. You know, son for a son. Something that we didn't mention here is that there's kind of an ongoing thread of no one's quite sure if they can trust Wes. Because he's technically working for Wolfram and Hart. And and Wolfram and Hart brought him back. Yeah, this isn't just like, like, Wesley, best friend. Right, so nobody's quite sure if they can trust him, including Angel. So Wes is like, do you want me to go with you? And Angel's like, I I really don't. So can you just stay here? And it's just, it's an odd, odd feeling for us to not trust Wes again. We've been there before. We have been there before. Angel goes to Westwood and he finds Connor, who's just killing demons like left and right. It's very epic. There's a big splash page of Connor cutting off one demon's head while stabbing another one through the face. And it's really precious because Angel and Connor talk and they're just trying to... They talk while fighting. ...impress each other. They're just trying to make the other one more impressed with their exploits. And it's just so, adorable. So, like, anything you can do, I can do better. It's just very precious. And then Gwen's like, cut the crap. There's some weird stuff you need to see. Also, I just fried all these demons with my lightning powers. Yeah, so that was helpful that she just kind of killed everyone for them. Uh, so we cut back to Gun, who has captured Beta George and has him weirdly in this, like, spiderweb thing. Who knows? I don't know. But he has Beta George is captured and it's terrible. And I feel bad for him. And Gunn basically tries to comfort him, going like, hey, I know this is bad. And George is like, yeah, it's bad. It smells like a rotting corpse. He's like, well, that's probably the rotting corpse. And Gunn's like, I promise I'm one of the good guys. Iffy, given the fact that we've just seen him kill a lot of girls and eat there. And kidnap George. And not ask him to come along. Not like gentle kidnapping. He is tied down. And George is like, hey, I've hung out with vampires before. Meaning Spike. Yeah, it's really precious. He's He's like, it's cool. And Gunn freaks out. It's like, no. And then basically. Do not call me a vampire. Yeah, and then he punches Beta George in the head. But this is what's so great about this. I love this version of Gunn. I mean, he's completely evil and insane, 
but Gunn has been turned into the thing that he hates the most, the thing he's been fighting against all his life, the thing that took his sister from him, everything that Gunn hates, he now is. What I love the most about this is that Gunn <clears throat> is, he still has the absolute conviction that he is right in all of this. And even though he knows he's a vampire, he still somehow thinks that he thinks he he's going to save everyone. He thinks he's above all of the vampireiness that he's ever seen because he knows what it is. Because he knows them. Gunn was always a character. There always seemed to be the struggle in the show of we need to redefine him because we don't quite know what to do with him. And then there'd be a good little run of Gunn, like in whatever his new niche was, and it'd be great. And then they'd hit that wall again, and then they'd kind of redefine him. And I love this version of Gun. This is a great version. And this is a good redefinition. And it's, they have the voice right. They have everything right. And you just get to see the depth <clears throat> of his, of just how this is tearing him up literally from the inside out. But then we get a line that's going to be kind of important. So we see that Gun has been setting up this whole thing. There's something going on. He has this power source and it's hooked up to this big thing. And remember this line for a few episodes from now. Two seconds after Angel figures it out, Angel dies. Dun, dun, dun. And that's where he put the glowing orb as well that he pulled out of the other demon. So we cut back to Gwen and Connor and Angel, and Gwen shows the two of them that inside the stadium, there's all this stuff written in like ancient Sanskrit. And Connor's like, this is messed up. Do you know who did this? And with the beauty of inner monologue, Angel's like, yeah, absolutely. I know. But to Connor, he just goes, no. Yeah. And so, again, we see him trying to save his son and just keep him out of it. Yep. So, Connor, Angel tells Connor, he's like, go get my dragon. And then he whispers the name of the dragon to Connor. He's like, you are a weird man, Angel. Angel leaves in one of the cars from Wolfram and Hart. Then he decides to go pay someone a visit. And all of a sudden, we find a lot of girls with very little clothing on. And in the middle of them is lounging Spike. Who's recanting the tale of how he saved the world and sent Los Angeles to heaven. And all of these girls are just swooning over him and bringing him chalices of blood, and he is just... Eating this whole thing up. He's in, like... A happy vampire. Hugh Hefner pajamas. He's like, all bloody hail, and they all repeat, bloody hail. It's they referred, confusing. And since Spike has survived two major apocalypses in two years, they refer to him as the Savior Squared. Is that why they refer to him as the Savior Squared? Yeah, because he saved Sunnydale, and then in his version of how the end of Angel went oh down. Gosh, that's the dorkiest thing ever. And <laughs> then and then he hears this voice, and he goes, which of you can do funny voices? Because that's not... And then it's Angel. It's like, uh, you're going to ruin everything, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Surprisingly enough, Angel ruins everything. Angel does. That's kind of his whole deal. Yep. Angel wants to know where she is, which is a pretty obvious she, if you've paid attention to the show at all. Yeah, there's and, not many she's and, around. Yeah, they've mostly died. Yeah. And Spike's like, yeah, not going to tell you. And they keep saying primordial. It was written in primordial Sanskrit. So, you know, who is our one primordial she demon? Then Spike mentions that Wes is dead and Gunn is dead. And this is our first kind of hint that no one knows about Gunn. Right. As far as they all know, Gun's gone. Right. They think that Gun just disappeared and was eaten. They know that taken Gun, away. They know that Gun was pulled away, and they know that Wesley's dead. And Angel doesn't care for that very much. And I know this is a small thing, but just with the art, which I we haven't mentioned that yet. I love the art in this book. I love the colors. I it love everything. It looks really good. But it's always weirded me out that Angel hits Spike with a left-handed jab. Oh yeah. When he's always been more of a right-handed guy. That's true. It's a small thing, but it's always been like, 
if you're going to try and get someone as quick as you can, like, Angel's standing, like, square onto him. Why open with your left? I don't know my rights for my left, so I never noticed that. I'm sure no one else has ever thought about that. I'm sure that somebody has, but... Like, why'd Angel crack him with the left when he could have probably done it faster and better with his right? Small thing. Very small thing. But Angel punches Spike, Spike falls down, and then Angel is quickly picked up by one more reveal. Illyria, who's in this weird bendy pose. That's not comfortable. No, How she... does that happen? Um, Because she wants to hit him with an axe. Oh, that's true. That is a big axe. And so she says, your, your presence, presence is irritating, irritating my, my pet. pet. And I really enjoy the fact that Spike is the pet this time, because that's one of his little catchphrases. No, I, I love the two of them together. They were great. For their time of the show, and I love that it's continued here. Yes. And I love the Illyria dialogue. All in all, when this is all said and done, Illyria is going to be my favorite character who's going to have the best arc out of this whole series. Obviously, these are the writers of the show. They know these characters in and inside and out, but um, her dialogue is the one that I can hear ringing in my head the most. Well, I know Joss, because um, Illyria wasn't around a ton, a ton, but when she was introduced, you know, writers would write all their stuff, but every time there was a Wes and Illyria scene, Joss would take that scene and do it himself. So I'm sure he had a very big say on how the Illyria dialogue was going to go down. Oh, I'm sure. And so ends chapter two mm-hmm. with a nice splash page. We open up chapter three with Angel being thrown through a window. As happens. And we find out that weird things are happening to some of the creatures because they're in this weird hell dimension that werewolves are stuck in this limbo and vampires are stuck in this weird limbo because of the sun and the moon being out at the same time. And all Valeria's powers that got kind of taken away are back and in full effect. Oh, yes. But we see very quickly that they may not be working quite right as she keeps shifting the time accidentally. Yeah, so we see, like, Angel as a baby, Angel in the future, Angel as a drunken human. It's going crazy and Angel's trying to get all this information out of her. He's like, why did you kill these girls? What's going on? And Illyria is beating just the hell out of him. Yeah, and and she just has zero tolerance for listening to whatever he's saying. And what we learn here also is that uh, the lords over here are Spike and Illyria, acting as co-lords, even though no one respects Spike's position. Even though everyone just knows that it's Illyria who's in charge for real, or rather who's the muscle in charge. So the fight ends pretty quickly and Illyria ends up quite literally crucifying Angel with some steak knives. Yeah. And she says kind of an important line. If, if he's, he's gone, gone, we move forward. And she's about to cut his head off. And Spike's like, yeah, no, don't do that. Also, please stop crucifying him. He doesn't deserve that because that symbolism has been used on way more important people than him. And then the most fun thing happens because the dragon reappears. And literally crashes through the wall. Connor's gotten the dragon. And Illyria just looks at it and she's like, oh, we're doing this. If you ever wanted to see Illyria fight a dragon. It's a good moment. And I don't know why you wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good moment. And so what we see is that Spike is the one who saves Angel here. He unpins him from the wall and kind of walks him away. And Yep, so Spike in his like open, silky Hugh Hefner pajamas. Just kind of takes Angel back to safety. As Illyria in a dragon fight. And Spike gets really frantic all of a sudden. He's like, who knows we're here? Because Angel hasn't seen them really since the fall of Los Angeles. Right. And this this little corner of Los Angeles does not look that bad. No, it there's looks great. There's green grass and there's sun and there's... A blood fountain. There's all sorts of good things. And so you get the impression that the 
neighborhoods don't really interact with each other. That up here in Beverly Hills, no one really cares about them. As long as they keep to themselves, no one's going to come bother them. So Spike is very frantic about this. He's like, who knows we're here? And Angel's like, probably anyone in a 20 block radius because there's a dragon shooting fire into the sky fighting an ancient demon god. Right. And they just keep fighting. Life is fun. And Spike's like, you really, once again, you have ruined everything. You're the worst. I wish I had let her cut your head off with a steak knife. Yes. And we see Angel say what we've all been thinking. He says, but she's acting strange, Spike. She's showing emotion. And that's that's not something that we've seen from Illyria. Not that we had a lot of chance a to really get to know her. And we get to meet um, one of Spike's girls who will be a little more prominent in future arcs. Her name is Spider. And she's kind of the head girl. Yeah. Who's as um, covered as the rest of them. Which is hardly, hardly covered. And then off screen, Connor shows up. He's like, if you told me you were coming to see Spike, I could have told you this wasn't his fault. And we find out that Connor and Spike are like besties. Because evidently they've communicated. I'm not really sure what happened to communication. I think that obviously phone lines are down. But there doesn't seem to be any sort of real communication because we find out that it's been a couple months since everything has happened. And in those couple of months, Connor and Spike have been working together, and we'll find out how that happened in a couple episodes from now. But they've been working together this whole time, and Connor says that Spike's main problem is that he's been saving so many people, Connor doesn't have the room to cover all of it. Angel kind of gives Spike the side eye look. He's like, so the whole undead Hugh Hefner routine, and the best Spike line of this, give till it hurts, that's my motto. Does it hurt, Angel? He's like, yeah, I know that, like, I'm hanging out with your kid, and I'm being a better father figure to him than you are, you dickhead. Um, I'm more impressed that you knew what side I was. You're not normally up on the hip lingo amongst the children. So Angel's a little bit upset. He tells the dragon to stop fighting, and they leave. Nope, stop playing. Uh, stop, stop playing. playing. It's time to leave. So Angel goes with Wesley to go confront all the lords, because he's kind of upset about this whole Connor and Spike thing, and, you know... Angel being Angel, and this boy does this book have his personality down packed. He's upset, so he overreacts. Yep. And he, gosh, he's never done that. And he overreacts <laughs> in in just basically the absolute worst way possible. Like, there's not much that you can do that's really terrible at this point. Like, everybody's worlds are falling apart. But he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go confront the most powerful All beings, of the lords in Los Angeles. And I'm going to challenge them to a duel to the death. Yeah, he's like... Um, Good call, Angel. Wesley gives them permission. He's like, you can fight him. And Angel's like, good, I'm going to fight you all to the death. Go get prepared. And they're like, well, we're not going to fight you ourselves, but we'll send champions in our place to fight for us. And Angel's like, yeah, fine. We're going to throw down. And then he gives a little key bit of dialogue at the end. A rash decision? Yeah. But it wasn't completely because of Connor and Spike being Hollywood's newest it couple. Really, it wasn't. Two days. Two days to figure out how I'm bringing down half a dozen of Hell's most brutal minions and to heal from normally mortal wounds. Another thing about Hell, doesn't alter a vampire's healing factor so a vamp can still mend quickly, which of course would mean so much more if I were still a vampire. Dun dun dun! Which is this whole big reveal. And what's really great about this is at the time when this was coming out, and we actually have an image of this in the very back of this graphic novel, but I guess someone had said online after the very first issue, that I bet Angel's not a vampire anymore. So Brian Lynch went to Franco Uru, and he threw together this whole splash page of, like, Angel busting through a wall but in vamp face in between issues one and two just to throw people off. Did it work? It did. It worked on me. Did you think that it was possible that he was not a vampire? Didn't think about it. Well, yeah. I mean, they 
as far as I knew he was. I saw some art from upcoming stuff where he was a vampire. Why would I think differently? It I guess totally, not. It totally worked on me. Yeah. And he doesn't like to stay in vamp face if he can't, if he can help it. So yeah. it makes sense why he wouldn't be in the first the ol- issue. So the only thing that's a little weird about that for me is we've seen Angel turn into a human before and he has no coordination. But apparently he has the coordination to throw a stake through someone's eye. Yeah, I guess it's That's just... the only thing that kind of sticks out as a little like, okay. Yeah. Well, also the fact that he just got pinned to a wall through his hands with some stakes and it, uh, with some steak knives, excuse me. And it doesn't really seem to affect him. No, and we learned that Angel and Wes have been using like everything at their disposal inside Wolfram and Hearts vaults to keep him healed up and to put a glamour out there that he's a vampire. But even still, like that's just, I don't know. I guess he's tough. We open up issue four, and this is our first hint at the fight in the alley. Yeah, and we see... Angel fighting a demon, guns being pulled away. He needs to get to the dragon. He doesn't know what's happening. And everything on the page is tilted. Like, he's not quite sure what's it's happening. Frantic. It is frantic. And it's it's a good call. And this is, again, a minor art thing that's always bugged me ever since I read this. Angel's apparently has changed shirts since the series ended and when they started fighting the demons. He ended that fight in an alley wearing a black button down and he switched to a white one to show the blood off better, I guess. I don't know. I I know that black on black does not work in comic book form. I know that's all it is, but it's always just stands out. I'm like, huh, change shirts. Yeah, whatever. Good for him. So we just see that this whole scene is frantic and things are falling apart. And Angel feels something. And this is literally one Los Angeles is sent to hell and he's on top of a building. He's like, there's some people below me who need help who are being attacked by demons, and I have to get back to the alley to save everyone. So he leaps off a building. He's like, my heart's racing. Like, Wait, my what now? Yep, and then he breaks his legs and his back, and his heart is still racing, and because we see he Wes! Was, because he literally jumped off a skyscraper, so he's not in good shape. No, no, not the best. And Wesley comes up to him, and he's just like, I'm sorry. And Angel just kind of realizes what's happening and says, so am I. And we cut back to another one of their healing scenes, and, and they're saying but that... what's cool about this healing scene is the writer Brian Lynch is a pretty big horror fan. Like He did a series around the same time called Everybody's Dead, which is just chock full of horror references. But Angel is healing himself with the Book of the Dead from the Evil Dead series. Oh, is that what that is? That's the Book of the Dead. Oh, there you go. Well, it makes sense, I guess. But um, Bound in human flesh. But we find out that Angel and Wes are kind of reaching the end of what they can find in Wolfram Heart, they need to go scavenge some more things because at this point, Angel's Angel has healed let his him... spine, healed his legs, and he keeps on getting stabbed by assorted demons and choked out. Yeah. It's been a rough three months. They've just used everything basically that they've had and and they're wondering how long they can keep up this this illusion. And in fact, he does have a glamour that appears to show him as a as a demon as well. But what I love here... Is Angel shirtless because, you know, it's Angel. Yeah. But he's missing something. Does he have a tattoo? He doesn't. Should he have a tattoo? Yes. Oh, okay. He's missing his tattoo. Well, there you go. But what I really love about this, so this is just, you know, a little bit of an R error. But remember this because it will be corrected towards the very end of the series. And they're like, oh, oops. No, no, no. No, they address it head-on it's hilarious oh are they just like we took that away yeah well from heart says that like we got rid of that gaudy tattoo weird <laughs> i love it it's so good weird 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 and then all of a sudden these two girls appear out of nowhere they teleport in and they take wes and angel 
back with them someplace. Dun, dun, dun. It's not that dramatic. It's not that dramatic. But what's far more dramatic is Angel and Wesley with these two girls. We see that Gunn has been watching from outside Wolfram and Hart. And he jumps in to go raid the building while they're gone. Yes. And then we see the lone shark from one episode of Buffy. I'm not quite sure how the rights work there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, fine. Giving Spike something called a Hagen shaft, which is kind of this, hey, if things turn sour, we have like a suicide ritual together. Basically, yeah, that they can, this is something that can kill immortal demons in the most painful way possible. So if everything goes south, use it on Angel, basically. Yep. And Spider kind of freaks out here. She's very into it and knows exactly what this is. And so, yeah, and, things to remember. And then the time stream starts going all over the place. So we see Spike with Spider back when he was, you know, a sad little poet. We see her in the future. She's been decapitated by Spike using Buffy's scythe. Again, I'm not quite sure how they managed to sneak the rights in for that, but good on them. Yeah, so that's, it's just kind of this weird well, little thing. The, that we get the... to see pieces of the story that have not yet happened. I wonder if these are definites or if they are... Well, we'll never see Spider again after the series because, you know, rights issues. Oh, yeah. But I mean, okay, yeah, that answers my question. All right. But Angel and Wes go over to Silver Lake where things kind of... Again, don't look half bad. Yeah. Things look decent. There's some kind of spell up there. And the dragon goes with them, which is nice. Yeah, there's this um spell that's preventing violence. And everyone's pretty happy. We've never seen that spell before. So who do we have? Lorne. Lorne. Wearing some kind of tiara. Oh, Lorne. And he's like the king of it, but he calls himself the not-lord. It's very precious. Yeah, Lorne has just kind of put together this, you know, little slice of positivity in hell. And he's doing okay. Like, he's mentions, like, I was in a dark place when things ended. You know, when you had me shoot a man in the heart. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'll find a way to forgive you, I guess. But then he's like, but everybody here needs me. And I need them, and we can build our own little happy world here and, and I, keep an eye on everybody. And I really like Lauren in the series. He's a tough character to do in the comics just because he's a character that, you know, breaks out into song every 30 seconds. So getting him to work in a not-auditory medium, that's an accomplishment. It is, and it's and they, they really have to pull on his other strengths. His yeah, totally. His charm and his And he does positivity not trust and... Wesley at all. No. He's also, also, remember that time you hit me in the head with a candlestick? Yeah. Yeah, haven't forgotten that. He didn't really get over it. Well, he doesn't say that, but you know. Well, to be fair, Wes is this weird aberration who's come back, and no one's quite sure what he is. Wes is not sure what he is. But then he even says to Wesley, stuck in that suit for eternity, W&H's cruelest act yet. Mm-hmm. I love Lauren. Lauren has a cape. We didn't mention that part. Um, because he is fabulous. What's with the little dude here in the in the? I don't know. I just like all these background demons. There's just fun. Yeah, there's one little demon there. that's in a little tiny football uniform with a little football. It's very but cute. Lauren says straight up, he's like, "Hey, I can't actually help you directly. By the way, all the lords are basically playing to stab you in the back by stabbing you in the back." And he shows them what they have coming towards them which is he has like this weird magic mirror demon yeah whatever but there's like a demon on fire there's a tyrannosaurus there's a she skip mm-hmm. so it's literally skip the demon but a lady yep but he's like look i'm not gonna fight i'm done with that like you kind of ended me on that again shot a man in the heart thanks a bunch 
And he's and he's basically playing the Switzerland card. He's like, officially, I am neutral on this. I'm not partaking in the fight, but I'm also not going to stop the fight. On the other hand, I have someone who might be able to help you, which is one of the best characters that this whole series is going to reintroduce. It's the Grusalug. We haven't seen him in forever. We haven't seen... And he comes flying in on a horse. And I'll tell you right up front, he's named this horse Cordelia. Aww. So for those who don't know or don't remember, the Grusalug is a champion kind of equal to Angel's strength from the same dimension that Lauren's from. And we haven't seen him since the very end of season three when he left, when Cordelia kind of rejected his love. Yeah. So we haven't seen the Grusalug in forever. And his voice in the writer, they match up perfectly. The Grusalug is the best. He it's always, the best. Yeah, it's great. He just has this like level of unnecessary optimism about everything. Yes, and it's and it's just the right odd tone. So, I don't know. So he goes up to Wesley. He's, hell's been kind to you, old friend. And Wesley, I hear you are without mass. Good for you. Always keep your enemies guessing. He's just so unnecessarily optimistic. While also just being this mass of a man. Yeah, he's just a... It, he's hilarious. It's great. And so it's nice to know that we have the Grusalug who's going to come help us out when the time comes. He has a bunch of weapons. He's like, let's go stab things. Isn't yeah. that fun to stab things? Yeah, it's pretty adorable. Pretty adorable. Then we cut back to Gunn, who has been rigging Wolfram and Hart just full of explosives. And he also s- stole a picture of everyone circa season three. With Baby Connor. So we get Angel Fred, Wes, Cordy, Gunn, and Baby Connor. And should that photo exist because supposedly all records of Connor disappeared? Whatever. Probably not. We're back in a new dimension, so I guess we're going to call it that. <sighs> so Gunn has rigged Wolfram and Hart with his Looney Tunes style bounds of dynamite, because that's what it looks like. Yes, it does. But it really tells you what's going on. And he blows up Wolfram and Hart. Yeah, and he just really <laughs> enjoys it. End of Wolfram and Hart forever. Yep. Probably not. It's not. Well, it'd be nice if it were. But Wolfram and Hart blows up, and we cut back to Wesley, who disappears. Has vanished. And we move on so, to chapter five. Where Wesley has gone to heaven, because now that Wolfram and Hart is gone, he his soul can move on. Except it's not true. Yeah, that's the opposite of what happened. Basically, they call him to account because yeah, the senior... he let Wolfram and Hart's building blow up. The senior partners are not happy with Wesley. No. And they literally remove his mouth so he can't talk to them. It kind of looks like that scene out of The Matrix with Neo in the interrogation room. Yeah, I know you haven't seen the movie. We've covered that. Anyway, moving on. But they start to torture Wesley. They're like, you're not doing your job. Stop being Angel's cheerleader. Yeah, basically they're like, we sent you to watch over him, we didn't send you to support him. And also you let our building get blown up. And then the good chunk of the issue that happens here is Angel is prepping for this, he's gonna die, and everyone in Los Angeles is gonna go watch this gigantic battle royale between Angel and all of the Lord's champions, and the Lords all bring their humans with them because they literally own, like, you know... Slaves. Everyone... Yeah, and so everybody shows up to watch this, and Connor's there, and Spike and Illyria are there, and they're all kind of waiting on their moment. Um, Yeah, so... And we find out also that Gunn is there with his little band of Mary followers. So Angel shows up riding his dragon, and he gives a really awkward speech to everyone. He's like, look, this is my fault. Like, I took a stand, and you all paid the price for it. So can we just get on with the fight? I'm here to try and make things up. I hate public speaking. This is the worst. 
please, for the love of God, can we just do this? And one of the champions is actually like, now those were some awkward last words. And they send all the champions out against Angel. So he's Angel has a flaming sword. This will come back. Which is a, a positive, because remember, he's a human. Yeah. So he's literally fighting a fire demon and a Tyrannosaurus and some kind of shadowy demon. And she spike. Uh, she spike. She skip. Skip. She spike would be a different thing. Weird. But oh, we're gonna get that. Are we? Oh yeah. Is that a positive moment? It's a funny moment. Okay. Well, we're we're still there. Angel thinks he's about to die, and then he sees lightning in the distance. He's like, "Oh, this is big." Yes. And uh, Wes gets sent back to the world as Silver we know Lake. it to Silver Lake. Yes. Um, where he finds those girls that Lauren was with, and they kind of explain the. Lauren got drunk and contacted everyone. He's like, we gotta stand together, and Angel needs our help, and we're better as a team than without, and blah. And so we find out that the Grooselug is there, and everybody's there to help Angel out. Literally everyone. And Angel goes through this whole, like, inner monologue. He's like, I wasn't gonna ask anyone for help. It turns out I didn't need to. And this is the version of Spike I always like best. The Spike who's just off to the side, calling everyone an asshole. So everyone's going on and on, and... Like, there's all this, like, touchy-feely stuff, and Spike's like, hey, crazy idea, less banter. And someone else, unclear, just goes, more fighting? I don't care, just less banter. <laughs> That's just the version of Spike I enjoy. And we just see some fighting, things are happening. The Grusalug frees the dragon. Who was chained up. So the dragon can now go fight the T-Rex. I, I love Grusalug so much. Look here, dragon, I am freeing you so you may fight the dinosaur. That is something I would very much like to see. And I agree with Gru. Oh, Gru. I would like to see that. Gru's such a dork. But Angel and Spike are talking as they're fighting, and Spike's like, look, basically I'm here because Illyria needs help, and I can't do it by myself. And I hate to admit it, but I know this is the kind of dumb crap that you can pull off. And Angel's like, yeah, sure, I'll help, because, you know, she just exploded out of a giant gelatinous demon. Yes. But then She's very helpful in this fight. She is, because she's the strongest one there, by far. Yes, yeah. They're fighting, and then Wesley appears, and he just goes, I can't believe it. And Spike, as his reaction and everything, immediately freaks out again. Right. It's like, if I knew Wes was here, I never would have come. Right, because we find out that, again, with their lack of communication in this world, everybody has failed to mention to Spike and Illyria that Wes is still around in some form. Well, in all fairness, Spike has also failed to mention to everyone that Fred is back and right. sharing a body with Wesley. So Illyria... Illyria. She's sharing a body with Illyria. Oh, Not with Wesley. That sounds sexier. Uh, in any case, she's still sharing a body with Illyria. Wesley appears and Illyria looks at him. Illyria, who is really dominating this fight, and she turns back into Fred. Right when the T-Rex is about to eat her. Yeah. And she... Whatever, she just looks she at her, skip just goes, is right behind her. She just goes, Wesley, you're here. And as far as we know, Fred's dead. Fred has been dead. We knew that like she okay, was 100% As far 100% as we know, like literally dead. half the people in this are dead. So. Yeah, everyone has changed. Everyone's come back different somehow. And so ends issue five and our first arc. And so... Leaving us on a cliffhanger. This book likes to do that. It likes to leave you on a cliffhanger. It's like, gun's back and he's a vampire. Angel's a human. Fred's alive again, like that kind of stuff. They're big on cliffhangers here. They are. I don't know. You kept saying that it was Fred at the beginning when you said it all started with a girl. I kind of wonder if it's Cordy. Um, and you could argue that. I don't think it is. I don't know. Because we'll get into, like, well, from a, more stuff later on. I think it's, I've always read it as Fred, but I could be wrong. To be fair, 
Doesn't really matter. Angel fighting for a girl. Never seen that. He always fights for the girl. I love this book. I love this series. It kicks off so right. It gives you all these big reveals about everyone. You haven't seen them in years, or maybe you have, depending on you know when you picked this up. You know, if you didn't watch it in real time like me. Uh, I love it. It's so good. It's so pitch perfect. It's like this crescendo on the massive battle they were having right when the series ended. Wow. How poetic. It's just going to build, and it all works, and it feels right. And you've heard me talk in the past about how things, like, you can't have them be too big in the comics. And this one's pretty big, but it's so character-focused that I don't mind it. Yeah, and all the big pieces, like the fact that there's a T-Rex, while that is ridiculous, it's not, it's not the center of everything. It's just, like, in addition to everything else that's going wrong, there's also a T-Rex there. It's not taking it above and beyond what is plausible within this world. And I like Connor in this book. Mm, that makes one <laughs> of us. Uh, but that will do it for this week. You can find the show over at editorsnotecomics.com. If you want to throw a buck our way, we have a Patreon where next week's show will be up a week earlier than it will be released on iTunes. You can also find me over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can email the show at editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. If you want to hear more of me, I do another weekly show where we cover news and a topic. Stuff. A timely topic. Or maybe it's not, and I just want to talk about a thing. Or it's just whatever you and Jared feel like talking about. Or that. But that'll really do it for this week. We'll be back next week to find out what happened the first night Los Angeles went to hell. Again, quite literally. So we'll see you then. Au revoir. Wow. <laughs>